You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here is your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. everybody. I am Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 21st, 2023, episode 3123. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. The CHA crew is out and about gathering intel for upcoming podcasts, so sit back and enjoy this previously aired masterpiece from the Hit'em Audio Vaults featuring guests Wade Black and Kelly Weekly. It's the third Tuesday of the month on Horses in the Morning. And that means we get deep into training, education, and horsey fun from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Welcome back, Christy. You're here the third Tuesday of every single month to chat about all things horse horse person training from the Certified Horsemanship Association. What have you been up to? Oh gosh, summer is busy. I'll tell you, it's um, back at it. So people are getting back into a whole lot of stuff. We just finished county fair. And once again, I'm going to talk about chickens on a horse show, but oh my, (laughs) I know a lot of your listeners have chickens and it is an adventure. Chickens are an adventure. How so? What, what did you do with chickens that would made it an adventure other than, you know, going to Kentucky fried? Yeah, well, that's just it. We raised some Kentucky Fried this year, and that was the first time ever raising some Kentucky Fried Chick-fil-A chickens. We've never done that before. So we had a pen of market hens, and then we had um, a pen of the, not a pen, but the individual show hens. Sean did his showmanship, and the showmanship went, yeah, all right, not bad. He probably needs to study more this year. He was kind of spending too much time being a lifeguard and working. He likes that a lot. And then the show hens, they did all right, got some firsts and seconds in their class, and then the Darn market birds went reserve champion of the entire fair. A group of turkeys beat them out. Wow. Yeah. Look at you guys Fascinating. go. Fascinating. And then we went to the auction and well, it is in one well, it's insane and wonderful all at the same time. How much companies are willing to give these kiddos for their animals? The bids just kept going up and up and up. And Sean actually had put his three chickens in kind of a little container and was, he had a chef's hat on and an apron and he was walking them around the auction pen. And he, I mean, it just was crazy. So yeah, for any of you out there that um, have 4-H age children in between 8 and 18, market chickens, you can make some money for college. I'm just going to leave it at that. There we go. How interesting is that? So the other thing that's going to be on the forefront of your mind and many folks over at a CHA's mind is the CHA conference. Give us the latest and greatest on that. Oh my gosh, we are so excited, Jen. So it is going to be in Fort Worth, Texas, and everything's going to be in walking distance. So once you fly into Dallas or DFW or you drive there, you just show up at the Spring Hill Marriott. And for those that don't want to walk the 10 minutes to where stuff is happening, um, the American Paint Horse Association has partnered with us. They're going to be driving their paint paint horse van. (laughs) Yeah, they have a van that actually has paint horses all over it. It's beautiful. 
And they're going to be driving us from the Spring Hill Marriott over to the Cowtown Coliseum to actually um, see where all the events are going to go on. And then we're going to have our awards banquet at Billy Bob's, which is also walking distance. For those of you that like John Wayne, there's a John Wayne Museum. There's amazing restaurants, amazing shopping. I mean, it just goes on and on and on how much there is to do, not to mention a twice daily cattle drive. That takes place with those longhorns that come down the street. So we will actually be riding the horses that the drovers, the cowboys that are the drovers, use to take the longhorns down the street. Those will be our western horses. And then our English horses, for those that come um, to ride with us, are going to be brought in by Jody Taylor, who's one of our three-day eventing certified instructors who lives close by. And he's going to be bringing in all of his dressage and jumping horses for us to use. So... It's going to be an awesome experience, and it's November 9th through the 11th, 2021, and you just go to cha.horse, which is our website, and you can sign up as a non-member. We have no problem with that, and there's even day rates on there, too, for people, so... And I'll tell you what we offered last year, Jen, and we're willing to do this year. If you go ahead and say that you're with HRN, Horse Radio Network, we can give you the CHA member price. We have no problem Dang. with that because of our relationship. Yes. Score. So tell for perhaps for people who haven't listened to a lot of the CHA episodes previously, and you have several years worth or are not familiar with the CHA conference, give me the 40,000-foot view of what the CHA conference encompasses. Absolutely. So CHA, first of all, Certified Horsemanship Association, we're the largest certifying body in North America of um, certifying riding instructors and barn managers primarily. Those are kind of our two main things that we do. And so our members are required to do 25 hours of continuing education every three years. So if they go to one conference every three years, they get it all taken care of there because it's a 25-hour event. So at the event, though, even if you're not an instructor, um, you're going to get so much horse knowledge. So some of the things that are taking place at the hotel, we have a big roundtable night with 12 different roundtables. So you can find out more about having a special Olympics team. You can find out about mounted shooting. You can find out about um, learning more about Interscholastic Equestrian Association and the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, uh, preventing rider instructor burnout, virtual horse showing. I mean, it just goes on and on for the roundtables. Then we have some um, speakers that are going to be hotel-based, like we have a uh, physical fitness trainer and coach coming to talk about fitness for the rider. She's actually bringing her blue balls. She's bringing her uh, balance boards, and we're going to all be out there getting fit. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's great. We're so excited about that one. And then um, in the next day is when we start everything over at the Coliseum. So four riders are up. You can sign up to ride in one session while you're there. And you're going to be riding with folks like Julie Goodnight. Many of you have probably heard of her because I know she's been on the show quite a bit. Um, You're going to be riding with a gentleman that um, teaches simple and flying changes. We have another person who's going to be teaching vaulting. You can actually get up and do the compulsories at the walk and maybe even the trot in vaulting. So that's going to be really fun. Gymnastics on horseback. And then that evening, we have our big awards banquet, and we're going to have a good time. The awards banquet's always very fun. Um, And then the next day, we're back at the Cowtown Coliseum. We're going to have Jody, who's providing the jumping horses, teaching a bunch of jumping. We have, um, oh, some people that are going to be teaching cutting, emergency, preparedness for equine, so how to handle an emergency situation. 
what exactly is groundwork, how to do it, introduce your horse to driving harness. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. You have a lot of a lot of different disciplines that are covered there, and something I think we need to point out is the CHA's mission is just a little bit different than all of the other horse organizations that I'm familiar with in that you guys really focus on the skill and the art of teaching the human. So you're not going to be watching just an instructor out there teaching some students and doing a clinic about how to do a flying lead change. You're going to be learning about the process of teaching it to people because it's a little bit different. Teaching the horse and teaching the rider are a little bit different. Very much so. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Jen, because also what happens is that, for example, Ren Bannerman, who's going to be doing the simple and flying changes, he has been told you're teaching the hundred people that are sitting in your session, right? You're not teaching the four riders that are up. The four riders that are up are your props. You got to <laughs> teach the people in the audience. And we tell all the riders that, you know, you're a prop. So you're not paying the big bucks to go ride with a big name clinician. You are paying the conference fee, which com oh, um, encompasses three days and includes your meals and things. And with that, you're going to get to sit on a horse, but you're going to be utilized however that instructor wants to utilize you um, in order to get his point across to the audience that is sitting there listening. And that's kind of the key. There you go. So that makes it a little bit different as far as what you're going to be experiencing and what the takeaways or aim to be versus maybe going to a different conference or a regular clinic. So, and that's something I like to point out a lot because from my point of view, that makes the certified horsemanship association, a truly unique resource for equestrians. Because even if you're not, if you're an instructor, it's invaluable. But if you're not an instructor, if you're someone who takes lessons, it's also valuable because when you get insight into how a skill is taught, that can broaden your ability to absorb the information from your instructor or from other clinicians that you may either ride with or audit. Without a doubt. And we so loved when you and Glenn were able to bring Horse Radio Network and Horses in the Morning to our event in Kentucky a few years back. That was awesome. So you really have seen it firsthand. So you understand how it goes. And I think that's great. Yeah, it, it was a very different experience. And I really enjoyed it a lot, even though I no longer teach for a living. I found it really, really useful from see, to see those different points of view and different ways of presenting uh, the, the process of, of learning and teaching. So I encourage everybody to go to CHA.horse. And it's very simple. They have a great uh, menu at the top where you can just click on what you need. You can find instructors, you can find uh, facilities, and you can learn all about what's going to be happening happening at the Certified Horsemanship Association Conference, which the dates again are... They are November the 9th through the 11th. So we're going to be midweek this week. We're on a Tuesday through Thursday. And that's because the weekend before us, there's a Western art show going on in the Fort Worth Stockyards area. And the weekend after us, the American Paint Horse Association is having their big cowgirl gathering. And I think two years ago, it brought in 1,500 barrel racers. So Holy it's kind of a big deal. Holy Wowzers. <laughs> Wowzers, that's incredible. Well, that's it's always fun to catch up on what Christy has been up to because you're one of the top five busiest human beings I know. 
But tell us a little bit about our first guest who's going to get on, come on in just a minute. Yes. So speaking of conference, and I did not mention anything about them when I was doing my uh, go over the schedule because I wanted to give them special time. Uh, we have two of our conference presenters on today. Our first one is going to be Kelly Awakely. And Kelly actually has been a longtime CHA certified instructor. She's also the equine director for Camp Keystone Salvation Army Camp and Conference Center. And the camp program gives inner city kids the opportunity to experience horses for the first time. In addition, what's so neat, though, is she's also a freelance riding instructor and a natural light portrait photographer. She focuses on portraits, horse shows, events, and sale shots of horses for sale. And Kelly is going to come to our conference and teach all of us how to get that great equine shot that we want for our horses when we're trying to sell them for our brochures and things like that when we're trying to sell ourselves. And Kelly, she lives kind of by you. She's in Gainesville, Florida. There we go. We get, we have great natural lighting there. So let's get her on. So Kelly, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Could you tell us a little bit more about where you live? Sure. Um, I live in Gainesville, Florida, right near UF. And I um, work for the Salvation Army in Stark, Florida. And tell us a little bit more about your horse background and kind of how it all began to get you to where you are today. Sure. So um, my father actually did, I'm from South Florida, so I'm a Floridian um, and from South Florida. And he did racehorses when I was younger, galloped and trained racehorses. So I was always dying to be at the racetrack, lived in the city, so didn't get to, you know, be on a farm very much and, and what have you. But I was always at the racetrack. So that's where the love took off. And as I um, got older in high school and stuff, began taking lessons and getting into the industry. And it kind of took off from there and doing some apprenticeships in the Western pleasure world and AQHA and, and what have you. And it just kind of took off from there. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about Camp Keystone, because I had no idea until I met you that the Salvation Army even did everything that they do here at Camp Keystone. I find it fascinating. So tell us a little bit more about all that. I've been here. um, This is my ninth summer, technically eighth summer with kids due to um, not having programming last year. But they run programming year round for retreats and events that they do for um, the social services aspect that the Salvation Army handles. And then in the summer, they do camp for inner city kids that get the opportunity to come here and they have lots of activities, a pool, um, ropes and other things. So it's a, it's a full operational camp and they have the horses, which the kids love. We recently added chickens this year and most of them come, you know, are city children that come from different areas of Florida and they have the opportunity to often usually see a horse for the first time. So that's very rewarding. And they actually have another camp in Texas, Habazal, that operates similar to this one. And they have horses as well. I think that's wonderful. I used to work at the urban farm here in Denver, and it was very much the same kind of concept where we brought inner city kids in. And uh, we had horses and kind of like you, the chickens and goats and sheep and all kinds of things and a big garden and I think that's wonderful that you're able to do that. Tell us a little bit about your senior citizen horses and how you find them and what you're doing for them. So, so I, um, in the beginning, um, most of the horses due to, um, the, uh, um, economical situation, 07, 08, 
were donated to this program and many are still with me. Several are still with me in recent in recent years, we've had to um, reach out and purchase horses. We, we still do. Um, the market's being a challenge right now. So we're not finding as many donated horses, but we are here. And, and if they, you know, fit the program, we do take them, uh, but it gives them an opportunity to, you know, continue on and do light work as this program is a walk only program. So it gives a horse that may have had some kind of injury, injury um, to be able to continue to work and thrive and um, be in a good situation well cared for. I just love that. I love, I hope there's more walk only programs out there because there's so many horses that are not yet ready to truly retire and just sit in a pasture, right? They really still want that job. They want to get out and be handled and be ridden by kids and go on trail rides. And I love that there's programs like yours that are walk only that allow that for those guys. They do. They enjoy the work. And, you know, of course, the show horses that come through that, you know, have, that were doted on and stuff, you know, they enjoy the, you know, the care and, we're in Florida, so lots of bathing and skincare and stuff that we have to keep up, you know, year round, really. But they just, they enjoy it. And even some that haven't been handled as much and more and more pasture pets and stuff, they kind of, they really start to enjoy the care and the attention. And, you know, they come around even some that are not, you know, as used to having so much hands on, they really, after a while, they just really kind of adapt to it and enjoy it. It's, that's, that's a part I love a lot. Well, Kelly, we are so excited to have you come to our conference and talk about another um, passion of yours, still in the equine world, but your photography. Tell us how that all got started. So that began really, I've always, since a kid, I've always had a can- some sort of camera and been trying to figure it out on my own and <laughs> figure out, you know, manual back in the, you know, in the beginning and had point and shoots and just always shooting. And then um, early on, so 99, 2000, Um, I would take the best pictures I could of clients I had. I did a lot of, in South Florida, youth work um, with 4-H and took, you know, kids to shows and did stuff stuff with the breed shows and what have you. So I was always, always had a camera and I enjoyed. So when I really had kids going a lot, I would photograph them and offer a still photo as a gift at the end of the year or something when they were showing local shows, they really enjoyed that. And I could show them movement too. So I, we could do comparisons. So that was one thing. And then when the digital cameras came out and got my first Canon Rebel <laughs> and began with that, it was no stopping. And I, I just, um, I love it. It just make you can capture, you know, images that you can't get back and times that you enjoy and stuff. And it just, I really, I'm very passionate about it and enjoy the pet photography and portrait photography. And of course, even, you know, event photography with horses and dogs. So what are some of the key things? Because I know ears forward, obviously, right? We're always shaking that plastic bag to get their ears forward. But what are some other kind of key things? Like when you're doing the different disciplines and sales shots, what are some key things that are really important to look for? So for so for sales shots, um, when you're having somebody do it, or even if you're trying to do it yourself, you know, having them, um, if they're a show horse where they need to be clipped, having them clipped and ready, uh, if it's a winter coat, you, you know, do the best you can getting them groomed and, and positioning too, because different breeds, you know, with the gated horses, they want them a certain way. The stock horses, you know, you have a particular way that you want to show all angles at the, you know, the best way and up foot placement. So that's all important to kind of research and, you know, depending on what breed you're working with and, um, you know, what your goal is, but with the, with the sale shots, for sure, to have them cleaned up and presented in the best light 
clean background, um, ears forward, as you were saying, it's always good. I often take my daughter with me to have an assistant, somebody that can, you know, help. And we have many different <laughs> ways that we can do like the bag, um, crinkling. They love peppermint. So crinkling a peppermint, um, sometimes a broom, just even dragging it forward. If you want them looking down more, uh, if you're doing more creative shots for portrait photography, things like that. Oh, that's a good idea. So question for you. I know a lot of times people are like, oh, you got to wake up at the crack of dawn in order to be able to get good shots. Is that true? Do you have to do all your shots at sunrise? It's it's actually the evening is my favorite. So especially doing families and stuff for the golden hour. uh, But the morning, actually, you don't have to. The key is having something that shade. Like if I was doing a sales shot and you had a covered arena or a barn area, I would probably try to shoot somewhere behind that or something that brings, you just don't want the direct light. That's why many um, portrait out, you know, outside natural light photographers panic if they have to shoot in the middle of the day. If you're out in broad daylight, it can be really challenging with the harsh light coming across a face or a horse or an animal. So where you positioning and where you find. So, um, you know, we always, I always say uh, lighting is above location often because if I, you know, if I can't get that right, it makes it more of a challenge and more post work, you know, trying to fix that. And how about action shots? Um, <clears throat> like I know all the different disciplines require different things. Like, you know, the rainers always want the slide and the jumpers always want their front legs crisp and tight over that fence, right? So how do you kind of learn how to do all those different action shots and what each discipline really wants? So for me, I, I, I think just having experience, uh, I never really got into coaching a lot of jumping, but really followed it and had kids that would do flat work and then equitation and then go on and jump and move up. And, and, and always, I really enjoy photographing, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of a off here, um, photographing the jumping. So Positioning in the angle where you're you're located at at a jump, of course, and timing. So for me, knowing how, knowing um, the strides and understanding that, you know, especially with the and even with the stops with the raining really helps. So it's timing. So I always recommend somebody that's wanting to kind of dove into something different, you know, watch, go watch and and learn like the timing on the slide or you know, the timing with strides to get, you You know, you want typically for shooting in an arena, I want, if the horse is at a flat English horse at a trot, I want it flat and I want that inside leg forward. So learning things like that um, for the best photograph is important. That makes really good sense. Yeah. Cause like anything you've got to practice yeah. in order for it all to kind of work out. And um, yeah, are there yeah. certain kinds of cameras that work better? How about tripods? You know, what is all your different equipment? So doing more events lately, I've actually been shooting a lot up at, at Ken's um, doing clinics. And so I got really accustomed for now diving into video work. So I'm doing, um, using a monopod. So I really like the monopod. Uh, it's not as cumbersome as a tripod, easier just to pick up and move and it really saves my neck and back because I typically shoot with a longer lens. Um, even for a lot of portrait work, I just like the separation and the, the look that you get with the background. So I highly recommend if you're, <laughs> you know, grabbing a, a monopod, if you're going to be shooting particularly events or shooting for a long time, um, you know, outside to have, have that ability, even with a shorter lens, it just, it saves your back because the digital cameras, even 
And when you get into a more professional grade, they're heavier. The mirrorless that have come out now are a little bit lighter and the lenses are lighter too. So that, that's helpful. But the, the gear does get really helpful or really heavy as you progress and you move up in gear. And I love that you mentioned Ken. So Ken Najorka and Kelly met each other through CHA. And now Ken has Kelly come and do photography for him, which I think is great. Um, Ken is a reigning trainer, and he lives really near to Kelly. And both Kelly and Ken are two of our regional directors for Region 7, which includes Florida. And so I think it's just so great that, you know, through networking, you were able to find a client for your photography business. For sure. And it's and I've met so many um, amazing people that he has come through, you know, um, horse people that he has come through his clinics and from all over. And I really enjoyed that with different, different disciplines coming in English, Western jumpers, eventers, and learning a little bit about where they, what they do, where their horses come from, you know, and, and getting to photograph them is it's pretty, it's pretty, I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. We've had a good time. Well, you'll be speaking about equine photography at our conferences here, and we're so excited to have you. Um, And for those listening, we have horses, um, as we were mentioning earlier on the show. So Kelly will have a bunch of horses in hand. Um, Maybe she'll ask us to even put one in a certain type of tack so that she can show an action shot. I mean, so we're going to have a lot of fun, really hands-on, showing people exactly what you should do when you're taking horse photos, not just classroom-based. Our conference is much more than the classroom which is fun. So we're excited to have you at that. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be a lot of fun and educational, and I'm really excited to take in the other um, clinicians and, and learn some new things. Definitely. So Kelly, if people want to find you um, and they want to know where you're located, can you go ahead and tell us the best website, social media, whatever might work the best? Um, sure. So as I said, for horses, for my horse people out there, we're always looking, you know, um, we do house geldings. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. So we keep 12 geldings year round and we're currently retiring and moving um, some around and some going back to owners and stuff. And you can find us, the Salvation Army Youth uh, Florida has a page. They have a website and Facebook. They have a, a page as well. That's Salvation Army uh, Florida Youth, I believe, that um, can reach out. I'm on Facebook, Kelly Wakely, and then I have Kelly Wakely Photography. Um, I do have a website, the same with my name. It's down right now. I'm updating it to add to where um, people can buy when I shoot these events and shows, they can um, just doing some updating to it to make it easier for delivery. But that'll be back up and running soon. <laughs> Kelly, is there anything that you want to add today before we sign off? I just um, wanted to say thank you to you guys for having me on and I look forward to going to Texas and um, love this channel and love hearing about the different things, new things in the industry and what's happening and what have you. So thank you for, for having me. That was a really fascinating kind of a preview. I'm really curious. I want to I want to attend that one because taking pictures of horses is fun, but taking really amazing, consistent pictures of horses is really hard. Yes. And for those listening, it is truly a career. I mean, you can definitely make full-time money on it, part-time money on it. All the horse shows need them. You know, there's all these people, these big barns that want sales shots. I mean, it just goes on and on. There's a lot of opportunity for photographers. Yeah, And if if nothing else, um, taking advantage of that particular seminar within the CHA conference 
could be of great use for you personally. Because if if the pictures that you put up on social media and on your website, if you sell horses, if you have a string of horses that you use for um, lessons, the better they're done, the better they're going to work as your marketing tools. That's for sure. You know, simple as that. Well, that was really good. And I am so excited now to have Wade Black on our show next. Wade was born on the Stampede Ranch in Nevada and grew up riding with the Buckaroos. At a very young age, he was roping, moving cows, and working with the cowboys on the ranch that was managed by his dad, Martin Black. He then moved to Idaho, where he helped his dad start Colts. He rodeoed in high school. He became a state and a national high school rodeo contender. Wade then earned a rodeo scholarship in saddle bronc riding at Montana State University, where he got his bachelor's in equine science and a master's in equine nutrition. He then spent some time in Kentucky training racehorses. Then he went to Texas and trained some cutting horses. And then he was at different cow camps in both Idaho and Oregon. Wade is currently the director of the equine program at Treasure Valley Community College in Ontario, Oregon. And it offers equine science, equine business, horse production, and a training degree. He lives in Homedale, Idaho with his wife and their three children. Wade, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Before we jump right in into um, letting folks know all about you, tell us a little bit about where you live. You're right on the border of Oregon and Idaho, right? Uh, yep, yep. I'm about 50 miles west of Boise, and actually I teach in Ontario, Oregon, which is about 30 miles from my house, and I'm just coming down the mountain from Oregon uh, where we're running some cows. And so, yeah, we just, uh, yep, right on the corner there. Yep. Well, I am so glad that we were able to get you on today. How did it all go this morning with the cows? Uh, so it's one of those deals. The stinking alarm didn't. I set my alarm for four, and it set it for four p.m. instead of four a.m. And then, and then one. I only I usually have two dogs, and only one jumped in, so that kind of slowed things down a little bit. And we're a little short-handed, and my truck overheated. But thankfully. <laughs> We got everything moved, and we made it just like five minutes from the phone call here. So it was kind of like the photo finish. So, yeah, everything worked out great. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Meant to be. Well, you are such a busy man, and we just so appreciate you taking the time today to do these things. Um, I would love for listeners to know about you. So you come from a long line of horsemen. Can you please tell us all about them and how growing up was for you? Yeah, so uh, I guess we we're. I was born and spent the first 10 years of my life in Nevada. My dad managed a big million and a quarter acre ranch in Nevada that ran 10,000 head of mother cows. And so I, I had that upbringing um, till I was 10. And then we moved to uh, Idaho here. And, and dad, we kind of got out of more than just the cows and really got into training horses more. We had yeah, one time there anywhere between 30 and 50 mares of our own and in as many as three different studs. And then dad uh, raised and trained a lot of outside horses too. So like when we were in high school there, we had 30 outside colts. And between my dad and my brother and my, we were each riding 10 horses, outside horses on top of the horses that, that we were training and selling. And so lots of, lots of colts starting, lots of riding. And then we'd of course go work and, and do day work on ranches around around here too but but uh yeah kind of kind of had two different worlds there i moved from nevada to just strictly ranching and then about 10 we moved over here to nevada or idaho and got more in the in the, the horses and about that time too it worked out good because i was getting more into sports we did 
football and wrestling and rodeo was a lot easier to rodeo here in, in Idaho than in Nevada too. So, yeah. And I know your dad himself, he is really well known in the industry. And then you have a famous uncle too, don't you? Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. Bill, Bill Van Norman, the Van Norman family, they come, um, Charlie Van Norman, they come from kind of a long line there too, in Tuscarora, Nevada. And, uh, yeah, his, his sons, uh, Ty and Troy and, and then Tilly there, they, yeah, they're very well known. They have a performance horse sale there in, in Elko, Nevada and, uh, have really nice performance horses. And, um, anyway, they show horses and ranch and, um, yeah, very, very, uh, reputable horses and, and very good cowboys for sure. Very good. So you have something that you just recently accomplished, which was kind of exciting. This little thing called road to the horse. Didn't you just win that deal, Wade? Yes, I did. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Down in, uh, Texas there. Yep. Well, congratulations. Can you tell us a little bit more about that whole experience? Uh, yeah, you bet. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Uh, it was, you know, the only, to be honest, the whole road to the horse, I, I didn't know a lot about it, to be honest. Um, they called me and, and I watched one road to the horse. Um, I watched one on TV there and then I did the 2019 and then that was about all the prep I had to get ready to the 2000 for the 2021 there. And so all I really had to go off of was kind of 2019 and I kind of got away working horses and I worked it that way and it went pretty smooth. And the, the 2021, it was, it just wasn't, wasn't very smooth. Yeah. We, I kind of worked that horse and, and he kind of had some spots there and, and uh, yeah, to be honest, as we were kind of going into the finals there, I, I didn't, there, there, I didn't really have him where I wanted him and just thankfully it, it ended up working out. He did, he still had some tight spots, but as soon as I started putting him, um, you know, giving him the obstacles and giving him a job, he lined out and did all, completed all the obstacles and, and he did good. Yeah. What a fun experience. I have yet to go and see one, but I, that's definitely on my list. I would love to go see one in action. I think it's a, a great program and I'm, I'm just congratulations. Good job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, they do a good job. I, I've been impressed with Road to the Horse and Western Horsemen and just they, they're continually trying to improve it and, and really trying to promote um, good horsemanship and educating the public. So I think that's really kind of aligned, I know, with CHA and kind of your guys' mission is, you know, promoting good horsemanship and educating the public. Yeah. Definitely. So I know you have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, and you are putting it to work at the college where you work. Could you go ahead and tell people a little bit more about the college and the students that you teach? Yeah. So I uh, I have an equine science degree, an equine business degree, and then a horse production and training degree. And so, uh, yeah, I that, that's the program that I have. And then I have different degrees, uh, path certificates. There's some pathway certificates that are embedded in uh, um, that horse production and training degree. I have a horse per, horse uh, selection training and marketing and sales. And so kind of with that, I target that six to $800 for riding an outside horse and kind of that 75 to uh, really 20 or $30,000 for an all around performance horse. And then a hundred to $150 for day work. And kind of in that too, my wife and I, we've started a nonprofit called TQA or training quality assurance. And, uh, we offer certifications 
for that, for training and selling horses to the public and doing day work. And I also have an evening riding class that I use the CHA curriculum too. And so we, we kind of have the ball rolling there. I've been using the curriculum for two years and I was trying to line up a, a school there and that, and you know how you guys do your testing thing, but COVID hit and it just kind of put a slammed on the brakes there in that deal. But I'm really looking forward to getting that some of the CHA certifications through there as well. I would love that. We are so thrilled that you're coming to conferences here because then we can sit down and have more of a conversation with you about how to be a host site and things. So let's chat a little bit about that. You're going to be one of our keynoters one of the days while people are eating their lunch. So you're going to get to talk to the whole group that's going to be there, which is super. And you're going to be talking about your training quality assurance. So give us a little bit more of an idea about what that might look like. So what was interesting is when I did my master's, I took 12 head of horses and I grained part of them. And then I didn't grain part of them, grained half and didn't grain half. And then I measured the effects of increasing energy during the early stages of training. So I basically got my master's in starting horses. And what I had to do is I had to, I tried to bring a scientific component to everything I thought I saw my dad and grandpa do growing up. So my grandpa, he traveled all over, all over the world, giving horse clinics and they'd bring him the toughest horse they could find. And he'd work them. They all end up being the same and kind of the same with my dad. We'd have tons of horses would come through and we'd work them and, you know, we'd kind of go through that process and, and they, you know, all of them ended up being the same. And so what I had to try to do was bring a scientific component to what I thought I saw growing up. And so, uh, it it was just, it was neat. Like, so I'd say, okay, well, this is what we do. We take the slack out and we wait for them to give. And they'd say, no, name it and define it. So everything that we did, I had to give it a name and a definition so then we could measure it, you know. And um, so basically what it come down to is there was three different parts. There was the temperament that we measured on those horses, like energy, sensitivity, self-preservation, confidence, reaction to social separation, willingness. That was on the temperament side. And then we had, depending on what week it was, we had different score sheets with different task completions. So like week one, some of the task completions would be like good to catch, good to saddle, good to bridle you know, open outside, open, close the gate. There was different tasks, like uh, basically just kind of the ringing horse function that we put on them, you know, soft and supple through the pole in the loin. When you take the slack out of the rein, being able to give left and right and break in the pole and being able to move the feet in four different revelations. And so, like I said, everything had a name and a definition. And then there was a number. So we'd give it a number. Anyway, and then I left MSU, and then I went back to my own horse training business. And uh, one time I had as many as 35 outside horses there and four to five riding employees. And to keep consistency with the horses I was riding, I was still riding Bronx and gone on the weekends. And sometimes I'd be gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday on some weekends to make sure that I had consistency in all the horses in my program. I took those score sheets that I did on my master's. And I had my employees fill them out every day. So they track it on the temperament task completion foundation every day. And then that way helped us keep consistency, you know, um, where we're all doing the same thing. And then if different people were riding it, we could really track and see where that horse was. And so that's what I've embedded into my program here at TBCC. And that's really the, the heart of TQA is it's a program designed to help trainers reach their goals. So part of it is that training and selling horses to the public. So we really tried to, it amazes me, there's no industry quality standard 
for setting the foundation on a horse. So there's 7.1 million people in the equine industry and 85 to 90% are inexperienced horse owners. And there's no industry quality standard or even a certification that says if I'm the consumer and a lot of horse trainers are, are charging, you know, between eight and a thousand bucks or 600 to a thousand bucks per month. And they won't take them for less than two months. A lot of people to start a horse, there's no quality standard that says, okay, at the end of two months, this is where they should be. And it doesn't say that maybe every horse should be there, but there's no gauges that consumer, you know, for that 85 to 90% of 7.1 million of kind of a reasonable quality standard that says that helps them. And so that's the focus of our nonprofit is really uh, helping to define that, bringing some science, you know, to define that, and then offering a certification process for people to train and sell horses to the public. Wait, I love that. So now I want to know, were the ones that were grained or the ones that weren't grained better? So here's the crazy part. So I did one group, we did six, and then we did another group of six. And so I grained three and I didn't grain three. We did two different groups. And I did one group. Well, we brought them from Boise here, both groups, and we put them in two different groups, so six and six. So we started on the one group. You know, we grained three and we didn't grain three, but we put them both on you know, round bell feeders, all they could eat. Well, it, it was in the spring and we wormed them all right when we first got them. Well, they were all at a body condition score four. So they were body condition score four with the first group, grain and no grain. Well, the second group was a body condition score five, grain and no grain. And it was cool. My study proved, you know, way more than I wanted. Increasing grain just increased the energy, which increased the self-preservation, which increased the amount of time it took to accomplish the exact same thing, you know, but the horses with body condition, all of the horses with body, with the higher body condition took longer than the horses with the body conditions for in the horses that had the higher grain and the higher body condition, there was 12 of them. And I took all 12 of them and sold them at the end. Those three, I had some people come and help me ride them and no one else could ride them. They were so spooky and touchy just because, they had so much energy, right? It was just fueling that self-preservation. Yeah. That is so interesting. And I think that that's awesome because the more science we can bring to what we do, yeah. not yeah. just, oh, I've done it this way for years and I keep on doing it this way, right? The more we yeah. can do the science. And that's why I think it's so cool that as a horse trainer, you have that education and that you have to do this for your master's thesis, this project, because now you're able to utilize it in what you do every day and teach others about that. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And I, I, you've been around horses, I know. And I, I was raised around, you know, really good horsemen and, and clinics. And even when we were starting colts all the time growing up, we always had people coming and riding with my dad. And I always heard, this was the saying, and maybe you can relate to it. There, do you feel that? There, do you feel that? There, do you feel that? Whether it was dad or grandpa or Tom, there, you feel that? And that's what I really tried to think is what is there? What, what am I feeling? You know, really trying to give that a name and a definition. And as a teacher, you know, it's, it's really fun for me that when I could name that and to define it, and, and then I'll even have some of those kids get on some of my horses where they can feel it. It's amazing how fast that them kids can begin to replicate it. Well, and this is one of the reasons, Wade, why Certified Horsemanship wants to do more with you because we're doing the same thing, but on the riding instructor and barn manager side, right? We're saying, let's right, give it right, a number. Yep. 
So if you're a level two instructor with us, you know how to teach walk, trot, beginning, canter. So if I'm hiring you, I know you can teach walk, trot, beginning, canter, right? So, I mean, it's the same exact kind of thing, except on the horse side. So once again, we're just so excited to have you come to our international conference in Fort Worth, not only to do this talk and kind of show us with some people out there on horses, some of it in action, but also be able to chat with some of um, our other folks about all the different things we can do together. So thank you very much. Um, is Where is the best place, Wade, for people to find you? Should they find you on a website, social media? What's best? Well, there's, I would say, three different websites, not the overcomplicate thing. Um, at the college there, TVCC Equine. So TVCC Equine is where I have all my college stuff. Um, our nonprofit, I need to get it updated, but it's trainingqualityassurance.org. And then we also have a website. It's, it's Training for the Cross. And uh, we help, my wife and I, we help out with a, with a lot of Bible camps. And, and I try to keep a year-round rodeo Bible camp atmosphere for those kids. And so I tie a lot of horses and discipleship and, and helping kids find direction. I, I help out. We work out quite a bit with K through college, so helping kids and uh, find direction and and so anyway so that's training for the cross so dot com very good so is there anything else Wade before we wrap up today that you would like to add to our listeners not really I, I guess that the, the feelings are mutual you know I I've, I've heard such good things about your program and and I'm really excited to get that your, some of your certifications um, there at TVCC and, and get some of them kids you know, certified and get the, the barn manager deal there. So it's a, I guess it's just a, a mutual, mutual feelings for the, you know, the partnership and working with you guys more in the future. So. Well, very good Wade. Thanks for being on the show today. And I'm looking so forward to seeing you in November in Fort Worth. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, Wade, Wade's a fun guy to listen to. He has such a wide experience in his life so far for, for a young guy, as they say. So many things. So yes. many things. Um, but that's going to be about a wrap for today. We covered a lot of stuff. I'm exhausted. And you can find the links to today's guests and topics, as usual, at horsesinthemorning.com, episode for August the 17th, 2021, in case you're listening to this in 2025. I know. There's so many on there from the past and so many more to listen to in the future. And for those that want to come to the conference, CHA.horse. For those that want to find a certified instructor like Wade or Kelly near you, CHA.horse. For those that are looking for a barn to board your horse or one to take your kid maybe to camp, Again, www.cha.horse. It's a one-stop shop for everything horse. Lots of stuff going on there. So please come. And boy, it would be really fun to see you in person. So take advantage of the Horse Radio Network, HRN. Just go ahead and let us know when you're um, calling us or emailing us that you're really interested in going to conference. And we will give you the CHA member rate if you are part of the Horse Radio Network and you heard it here. That's right. All you got to say since I heard about it on the Horse Radio Network or on Horses in the Morning or on the podcast. That's all you've got to do. I gave you a special rate. I encourage you to check it all out today. And we will see you again next month, Christy. Sounds good, Jen. Thanks.